This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022 edition. And tomorrow is Thanksgiving. We do have a half day session uh, trading on Friday, but pretty much we are in the holiday season uh, for the world, uh, for the country, as well as the markets as well. And you saw kind of that float up today uh, and just bullish trend, at least in the near term. Uh, but I want to start off today's show with a quick reminder. And, you know, it's something about this business. You know, I've been doing this for over 20 years and a lot of things are second nature to me. I've been doing it so long. I'm in it day to day. I'm reading all the time. There's a lot of lessons that I think are just so ingrained that I feel like everyone should know it. And I think that's one thing that I always have to pull myself back and not be afraid to reiterate things, to really hammer home the points because the average investor, you know, it took me. A lot of mentoring by my grandfather. Uh, it it I was ingrained with the lessons at a very early age. Talking late middle school, early high school, just sitting in and watching and and, and listening. And so, you know, I don't know if I took take that for granted, but it just once again it feels second nature to me. So what I want to do quickly before we get going is really hammer home the main points I've been talking about now for over a year, probably closer to two years, and that is the shift, the reversion to the mean that is happening in markets. And I'm not talking about on a weekly or a monthly chart. I'm talking about on a multi-year basis. You know, there are cycles in markets. Some of them are short-term, some of them are medium-term, some of them are long-term. Short-term is typically more investor sentiment. Medium-term is more economic cycles. And in long-term, there are secular cycles that take years to play out. So post-financial crisis, call it the 2010s, there were three main themes that dominated these the equity markets. And that was growth over value, large cap over small cap, and passive over active investing. And if you're paying attention over the past year, year and a half, call it two years, that shift is, or those trends are no longer in this market. 
One of my favorite sayings my grandfather was always, no tree grows to the sky. And that's an eloquent way of saying there's always cycles. There's always a reversion to the mean. And when you're looking at long cycles, long secular cycles, it can be confusing because you're going to say, oh, well, this worked over 10 years. But one decade's trends is often not the next decade's trend. Just like one year's best performing sector is often not the best performing sector the next year. Usually it's the worst, one of the worst. And that's how markets are. And that's why the, the average investor, they struggle because they chase returns. And right? what did well last month or last quarter or last year? What story they hear from their cousin or their friend. And frankly, most of the time, they're too late, for, late to the game. So, you know, I'm still getting, we're still getting calls. Yesterday, I got a call. Oh, I want to buy Tesla. Is this what we're, are we not getting the message through? You know, this is, this is the reassertion. Just look at FTX, for example. The FTX debacle is just a complete lack of not just oversight, but due diligence, rational thinking when it comes to investing in anything. It's just simply chasing the narrative of crypto and you know all these other people are making money and, and FOMO and, and everything that really has driven investor psychology over the past, you know, through the 2010s. And it's the worst of it because it's unregulated. But just because there's, there's regulated parts of the market doesn't mean those same type of actions and emotions can't also manifest themselves. And so what reversion to the mean is happening now is the reassertion of rationality. Substance over stories. Substance over stories. Substance meaning, how about an economic moat that produces consistent, positive returns for shareholders? Not just in price, but I'm talking about cash flow and earnings and dividends, stock buybacks, things like that. Solid balance sheets, not financial engineering, not engineering a great story. You need to cleanse your mind. Throw out the 2010s. The vast majority of what happened during that decade is not going to happen here in the 2020s. Those trends are gone. There are new trends that are just asserting themselves. In the arc of market history, 18 months is nothing. Okay? So I hope you take 
something. And I, I, I trying to reassert these things because I feel like still people aren't listening hard enough. They're still falling back into the comfort of names they know. Names that are interesting. I'll tell you what, the best opportunities in today's markets are companies you probably have never heard of. Not because they're micro cap nothings, but just they don't talk about them on CNBC, also known as Comedy Central. Because that doesn't get the headlines, doesn't get the clicks. Remember, that's what CNBC is there for. It doesn't want to make you money. Think, think they have Kramer on there because he makes you money? No. He says stupid stuff all the time. Makes bad takes all the time. But he's still on there because he's entertainment. CNBC is entertainment. It's not for getting good investment advice or financial advice. And you have to understand that. And so that's what I'm here to help you with. And I, I guess I don't say it enough. Maybe I need to say it more. Maybe. Well, that was a long intro, but I'm Justin Klein and I'm here and I'm ready to help you with all this for, on today's show. Help you develop strategies and the right mindset. And that's what I kind of thought, I'm talking about top of the show is the mindset to make good investment decisions. So the phone number is always ready for you, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, eight at eight, 99 chart. My main focus point concerns the story. Looking at the stock market, we see money still coming in to the markets, and we're gonna talk about that by the debt mentality. And time permitting, I wanna dig into some other topics as well. One is in regards to companies boosting their capital spending, which is a nice positive what you can expect from retailers when it comes to steep discounts this year. And then lastly, how high interest rates are affecting small businesses. So that's all I have uh, on the docket for you today. And we're heading into a break. Steve and I are happy to play your voice bank questions, but we love to take your live calls as well. And our number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, and this is no time to lose focus. So get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 
888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Kyle Woodyard from Michigan. Long-time listener for about five years now. I love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. I was looking to get your opinion on a growth dividend stock, TGLS, Technoglass Inc. It has good growth, has good return on equity, good return on invested capital, a low payout ratio, and earnings per share revisions are in an upward trend. I was just wondering if this is a good buy now or at what price would you guys think that this will be a good buy? Thanks for everything. Hope to hear this on the show later. Bye. All right. I think uh, my prayers were answered with this call. This is Technoglass. And once again, a company probably 99.9% of you have never heard of. It's not a big company, $1.3 billion. Not tiny. It's not a micro cap. But it's in the small cap side, growing 50% revenue year over year. Earnings growing 124% year over year. Uh, and since the beginning of the pandemic, they've just been crushing. Now, my big question will be, Mainly, how sustainable is this? Is this something where they create a sustainable advantage uh, or will that retrench? Now, earnings expectations for this year and next year continue to go higher and analysts continue to upgrade their earnings expectations. So it seems like whatever they're doing, it's it's working. Um, they have low debt, like you said, return on equity 44%. Now, that's historically a lot higher than they are typically at pre-pandemic. But once again, I'd have to really want to know what has supercharged their earnings. What is the catalyst here? And if I feel like that's something that is sustainable, then I like this. Uh, payout ratio, like you said, only 8.8%. Cash payout ratio, only 21%. So there's definitely room for that dividend to go up. And once again, they don't have a ton of debt. So it's not like they need to go and, and pay off that debt before they return uh, capital to shareholders and they're buying back stock. It looks like they are to repurchase $50 million worth of stock outstanding. They announced that earlier this month. So it's about 4% of the current float, which I really like. And looks like they've been, yeah, they've, they've, uh, actually they have not started to buy back shares as of late. It's been kind of flat since the pandemic because they haven't had to issue more shares. Um, but yeah, if they're starting to reverse that, that's definitely a positive as well. So, you know, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. These are the type of names, people. These are the type type of names where the best opportunities in the market are. Okay. Now it is a bit overbought, um, but on a pullback into the mid twenties right now, we're at 2873. I think that is a good buy. Definitely support right around 26. All right. Thanks for the call. Now let's take a look at the market today. Let's take a look at, go back to this screen. Here we go. Yeah, today was a, a nice positive day. We had the Fed meeting and, or Fed meeting minutes, excuse me, released. And they were, just as everybody had hoped, uh, just fairly dovish in the fact that they're gonna slow their pace. And the market definitely liked that growth for, one day at least outperformed value. You had US markets up about 0.6%, small caps about 0.34%, and it was a nice positive day going into the holiday season. Now it's fast moving Wednesday and the markets are constantly changing and you must have finance and investment questions that you'd like answered. So I'm here to answer them. You set the agenda at 888-99-CHART.
One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. So as long as your questions involve the stock market or general investment topics and definitions, we set no limits. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Justin and I are ready. Are you? Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk to Frank. He's in San Mateo. He wants to talk about alternative energy. Um, yeah, I've been wanting to kind of talk to you, and I guess uh, based upon some of your conversation today, you know, especially crypto comes up. But if I was to couch this in a question, I guess, uh, financial, even though there's going to be a political tinge to this, uh, your response, because I know you've seen the article, and the article was in the Wall Street Journal on Monday, November the 14th, and it had um, um, – so in other words, my question is, should I buy a gasoline or EV? And based upon this article, I only see a calamity occurring because this article goes through all the resources that are in these EV batteries, you know, from the lithium, from the mining to the refining, to the nickel, to the cobalt, to the magazine, manganese, and none of them do we supply to any great extent. And and of course, the political aspect of this is they want to be moving this into this, but uh, but China, which we're we're in a contentious against, you know, controls so much of this. So uh, I don't know if you you'd like to respond to this move to EV batteries and uh, the whole uh, situation, but I, I just see a calamity, uh, Justin, uh, occurring five five or so years down the line. I'm sorry, but I do. Well, uh, I have not read the article that you're speaking about, but I do know a lot about the supply chains that uh, go into EVs. And you're correct. They are a lot more complex than building an internal combustion engine. And a lot of those components, especially the electronic components, are made overseas. Uh, And some of the raw materials that are needed, we don't produce here in the U.S. Uh, And so... The, the ramp up in EVs it, uh, is just going to probably take longer. Um, and I think politicians are going to continue to push. Um, but I think they're going to use the California model. And everyone kind of rails on California for their environmental um, regulations. And, and to some degree, there's some merit there. I, I, I would probably agree. But what they kind of tend to do is they push regulation and they try to push the industry as far as they can. And then if they realize that maybe they've gone a step too far, they backtrack a bit on that regulation to make it a little more palatable and and easier. Um, So you don't get all the way there, but you get a lot of the way there. Um, And so that's what I think they'll probably try to do. Uh, You know, you can put a lot of hopes and dreams on uh, electrifying our entire car fleet and by 2030, 2035, etc. But it's just not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen because of the supply chains. Now, what type of calamity does that create? You know, I think it depends on a lot of things. You know, if if the cost of an EV is $200,000, you really think that governments are going to force people, you know, low-income people to go and buy a $200,000 EV when, you know, they can buy a, you know, internal combustion engine costs 
internal combustion engine cars still cost 20 grand. You know, I just don't see that happening. Um, so I think that's really what it's about. It's really about they're going to push for it. They are pushing for it. There are companies like Volkswagen that have been pushing in that direction, but they're, they already are, um, and they're going to continue to uh, push up against price and scarcity of the raw materials, of the, 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 the parts that go into it, and, and the resources to, to produce those parts. Um, so it's just going to be a much slower ramp up than anyone hopes, uh, especially those, the politicians. I mean, Tesla has gone a long way to kind of legitimize and prove the market for EVs. But I think the question is really, what's the next phase of that? And can the industry really get to the majority of our car market? It's unlikely in any near-term capacity. So I agree with you. I'll go read that article because uh, I'm sure that will tell me a little bit more than, than what I already know about it. Um, but, you know, does it cause a calamity? It depends on your definition of calamity. Now, my focus point concerns the story. Looking at the stock market, we see money still coming into the United States. And this is really all about buy the dip mentality that really drove us through the 2010s. And I think this, the 2020s, I think there's still going to be a bit of that. Um, a lot of it is capital coming from overseas. You know, when uh, this will be a, a decade, and you're already seeing it, where geopolitical concerns increase. And that's going to bring more money from abroad because they want safer jurisdictions further away from conflict. And I think that's going to be one trend of this, this decade. So after the break, I'm going to touch a bit on, you know, how this decade from a monetary policy perspective will differ. Now, the stock market will be closed tomorrow, but we have prepared an all-new Best of Caller compilation show just for you. I'm Justin Klein, ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members? or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so... Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. The InvestTalk phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I talked a bit about the buy the dip mentality of the 2010s and how uh, that still has been in effect so far this year. And, you know, the foundation of monetary policy during the 2010s was to create the wealth effect. And what that would do is to those those low interest rates would incentivize businesses to invest more in real capital goods. And that means people would buy more houses and asset prices would go up. And the stimulus money overall mainly went to the financial part of the economy. And there wasn't a lot of investment in real capital goods. So in the corporate world, financial engineering really took off. They bought back stock, they paid higher dividends, and they were rewarded with higher share prices. Even some businesses got into Buying real estate, think of the iBuyers, right, to chase those prices higher. But growth rate, or the growth of labor productivity, dropped towards zero by the end of the decade. And so it just showed that the financialization of our economy was not very healthy. And every time the market dropped, the Fed would step in and always come back in. Now in the 2010s, You've seen a shift in that policy. Now, ultimately, I think they still return to that policy if they ever need to. But higher inflation is generally good for nominal GDP. Prices in general in the economy are going higher. The nominal spending goes up, even if the real, you know, adjusted for inflation might be negative. Remember, recession is real GDP figures. So you could have inflation at 8% and the economy growing nominally at 6 That's shrinkage in real terms. And that's the type of recession most people aren't used to. They're used to flat or negative GDP and actually nominally declining GDP. 
and that creates nominally declining earnings. So it's a different type of economic drawdown in the 2020s. And the investment community continues to buy the dip. Flows into U.S. equity funds and ETFs totaled $86 billion so far this year. The second highest sum since 2013, only lower than last year. And so while I do think the buy the dip mentality or buy the dip mentality will persist because I think the Fed needs to engineer higher prices. Remember, they always fight the last war. And despite what happened with COVID, despite our current bout with inflation, think of what's happening now. Do you, would you rather have 08? Would you rather have this bout of inflation? What is more politically difficult? I think it's an easy call. Well, everyone can rail about inflation and how high prices are. I would say 95% of people would rather have elevated inflation than an outright financial crisis. And so that part of Fed policy will persist and they're likely to love a bit of inflation. Maybe not this high, but they're not going to drive us into a deflationary bust, most likely. Now let's pivot into another listener question. This one came in earlier from Iowa on 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. This is Griff from Iowa. Got a question here. I've been a holder of Abiomed, A-B-M-D, for many years now. And they uh, are being purchased by Johnson & Johnson. Question about the buyout. Athos Incorporated is sending us an option for a buyout price of 380 a share. And then there's a non-tradable contractual contingent value right per share of $35. And I'm just curious how that part of the deal works there. Also, I'm looking to pivot into another medical device company. And I was wondering what you had to say about Intuitive Surgical or Medtronic. Followed both of those companies for some time. I'm not an investor in either, but I would like to keep part of my portfolio in the medical device space. Looking to see if you had an entry point on either of those or a red light or green light. Thanks. Have a good day. All right. Now, the buyout from Johnson & Johnson on a biomed, I'd have to look into the details of that. I haven't, I haven't done that uh, just because we're not shareholders of, of either of those. But it sounds like from your explanation, there's some sort of call option that you're, you're get, getting as well. I'm not sure. Um, so I'd have to, to dig into that. But when it comes to Intuitive Surgical or Medtronics, it depends on what you're looking for. Intuitive Surgical is still pretty expensive. Uh, their growth is slowing. And I, I probably wouldn't buy it at these levels yet. I don't think it's cheap. Um, but when it comes to Medtronics, that one has come down in a big way, even though earnings are coming down, but not dramatically. Uh, this is down 33% from its high, which is a big move for a name like this. 
and yields 3.4%. Uh, if I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking Medtronics. Uh, I think there's much better value there than Intuitive Surgical. I still think they have uh, an economic moat uh, around their business, even though their their recent performance has been not been great. Um, so I'm going to give Medtronics a thumbs up between those two. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Bruce in New York looking at AGCO. Thanks, Justin, for taking my call. Um, hmm. I have about 2% position in AGCO. Um, been going horizontal for a little bit. I was wondering if it would be a buy, hold, or sell at this point. Okay, let's see. Manufactures agricultural tractors, self-propellant sprayers, and and for the agricultural market. So clearly, yep. ag prices are going higher. Farmers are making more money. They have the willingness and the ability to upgrade their equipment and, and, and spend to expand capacity, et cetera. So their business is, is doing well. Earnings are supposed to be $11.85 this year, $12.75 next year and that's up from four dollars and 44 cents in 2019 pre-pandemic so i like the trends earnings expectations for next year continue to go higher that's good not a huge dividend which i'm fine with let me look at their debt levels modest amount of debt uh so i like that shares outstanding they're continuing to go down so they're buying back shares i see nothing wrong with it i don't think it's Really expensive enterprise value to EBITDA right around 8.8. .8. Historically, that's kind of average for them. So I don't think I don't see it as expensive or cheap. And if you look at the technicals, you're definitely a bit overbought into some resistance. This is where it, it broke down back in June. So it's kind of retesting those levels, but it kind of retested that earlier this this month. And it's giving the, that level another another go. And it's tip, typically when overhead resistance is tested multiple times, it's, it's trying to knock on that door and break through. So I think this is probably headed higher. It's about fairly valued. And, and so I think I'm fine with that. I would, I would hold it 2%. It's not a high percentage of your portfolio. I see nothing wrong with AGCO. Thanks for the call. Hey, I, I'm liking these calls today. We're getting real businesses that produce profits and cash flow that help deliver and produce real goods and services that people need today. Not the hopes and dreams of the future. They pay dividends, buy back shares, do things that are good for shareholders. So it looks like some of you are listening. It's not all. Now we're moving at a steady pace towards the end of the year, and Christmas is right around the corner. So you're probably thinking and assessing how your year's gone. Probably down, but are you down a lot? Or are you down a little? If you're down a lot, you're probably deploying the wrong investment strategy. Now, is your portfolio aligned with your goals, with your risk tolerance levels? Are you properly diversified amongst different sectors? Amongst large cap, mid cap, small cap? What about your bond exposure? Should you have bonds? 
Depends. Depends on your goals, depends on your risk level, risk tolerance level. So if you need help understanding where you're at and where you should be going, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Pease, the other company, KAPP Financial, where we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. We provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or give our office a call at 800-557-5461. We'd love to speak with you a short period of time and help get your portfolio optimized. Now let's touch a bit on CapEx, capital spending. And big U.S. companies are stepping up their capital expenditures. And they're on pace to set a record for this quarter. Capital spending among S&P 500 companies set to go, be over $200 billion this quarter. And that is set to jump by 20% year over year. And that's roughly in line with growth in the first and second quarter as well. But this would be a new all-time high. And typically, the fourth quarter is a time where companies spend the most on CapEx, probably because they want to, you know, for tax purposes, get those uh, that spending in the fourth quarter versus the first quarter. And this is typically spending on real estate, equipment, technology, and investors usually like this, and they view it as a sign of confidence from executives in their plan. Now, we're starting to get an environment, though, where investors are being a little more selective on, hey, just because you're spending on CapEx, are you doing it in the right way? Or are you just going to burn through shareholder capital? Now, typically in a recession, it's good to, to spend because... It allows companies to gain market share and emerge on the other side of the recession in better shape. You know, when you're spending money in, in, in tough times, other companies that might not be as strong, you know, they're cutting costs, maybe they're cutting marketing. You're able to expand your product suite, expand your services, and gain market share from those that are weak and that aren't reinvesting in their business. But what's happening here is that investors are looking beyond the cool ideas. They want real world spending. And one example is Meta. And the Metaverse, they're spending $9.5 billion on cap, CapEx projects in the third quarter. That's the second largest sum among companies in the S&P and more than double its spending from the prior year. And when they announced this on their conference call, stock plunged 25%. And then what did they do later? They narrowed their CapEx spending outlook. So said, eh, we're not going to spend that much. And they announced a bunch of layoffs, 13% of their staff, and the stock rallied 24%. So it just shows you that it's not just about spending in general. It's about spending on the right projects. And now there are risks to spending in a recession. If you stretch your balance sheet too much, that could turn into, you know, a big problem. And that's why companies with positive cash flow, even in a recession, they're able to reinvest in their business. They, they tend to get more investment dollars. And energy companies are a good example of that. They're ramping up spending at the fastest pace of the sectors in the S&P. 
Occidental Petroleum, for example, increased spending to $3 billion through September for the year. That's from $1.9 billion in the same period last year. And other sectors, they're talking a lot about reshoring. Mentions of reshoring during earnings conference calls in the third quarter skyrocketed. And so what, what is this going to help? Well, it's going to help industrial companies that are going to help all sectors bring manufacturing, bring their services back here to the U.S. And automation. Automation is going to be a big part of that. Now, while CapEx is growing, stock repurchases are in pace to decline 11% in the third quarter from a year earlier. And dividends only supposed to go up about 8%, whereas CapEx up 20%. So this, these are the positive trends here. And this is what I talk about with reshoring of manufacturing. It's not just good for that individual company that's solidifying their supply chains, but it's good for a lot of different sectors that are involved in that process. And it's good for the US economy in general. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Stephen, Justin. Thank you for your fantastic show license. I've been following you in 2021. You've uh, done great for me and my portfolio. I wish I had known you guys before so that I wouldn't have lost like a lot of money in my tech stocks. But anyways, um, thanks again for your show. And uh, now my question. I recently added LSB Industries and CF Industries, both in the fertilizer sector, to my portfolio. I would like to have your guys' opinion on uh, the sector in general and maybe one stock over the other. Is LXU buy here more than CF or the other way around? Because I think like the next one or two years are going to be fantastic for the sector. Interested to hear your opinion and uh, listen to it on the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Looking at... CF and LXU. Now we own CF Industries for uh, our clients, so we clearly like that one. And they are primarily a the leading producer and distributor of nitrogen fertilizers, and that's key here. There are different types of fertilizers, and our favorite, uh, because of uh, the type of capacity that's coming on worldwide, uh, our favorite is our nitrogen fertilizers. Whereas LXU, they're a pretty diversified chemical company. But their main product are fertilizers, but they they produce ammonia fertilizers. Uh, and so they're not concentrated in those nitrogen fertilizers. So that's one issue and why it's been relatively weak. In, in addition, 
They also make other types of chemicals that, you know, some are in higher demand, some are in lower demand. Uh, they're just a bit more diversified. So it's a, it's a, it's a more of a pure play by buying CF, uh, where, uh, and, and just long-term their profitability has been more consistent than LS LXU LSB industries which their return on assets was negative from 2018 all the way to mid 2021. So I don't like the history of their earnings expectations. They were losing money consistently pre-pandemic. So I'm going to give CF an absolute thumbs up here over LXU. Now, if I move quickly, I think we can squeeze in one more question. So let's play it now. Hi, Justin and Steve. This is Tyler from Wilmington, North Carolina. I'm quite an amateur investor. I'm calling with a question regarding the Berkshire Hathaway public portfolio. Is it a good idea to essentially mirror their investments, but only only really invest when their stocks are on sale, you know, say a PE of less than 15? Is that a good idea to, to get in, take position into these stocks at a good price over the long term? Looking forward to your answer on the show. Thanks. Bye. If you want to do that, why don't you just buy Berkshire B? You know, yes, Berkshire has a suite of comp uh, stocks that they own and they have large exposure to Occidental Petroleum is one of them. They've been buying a lot recently, but why not just buy Berkshire B? Because then you're getting exposure to other parts of their business that aren't public, like Geico, like Berkshire Hathaway Reinsurance Group, Berkshire Hathaway Primary Group. They own a Berkshire Hathaway Home Services that are it's in public. They buy Northern Northern uh, Santa Fe Railroad. They also have utility and energy distribution. They have a lot of salt of the earth companies within their portfolio, and many of those are private that you can't get access to. So I'm not sure what your aim is here, but if you're trying to mimic Berkshire Hathaway. Just go buy Berkshire Hathaway. It's not like you're avoiding some sort of management fee. Right? So I think uh, I, I think you just go buy Berkshire B if you're trying to take that angle. Now I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. And now we've surpassed the 47 million download mark, thanks to you. Stock market is closed tomorrow for Thanksgiving, and we have prepared an all-new Best of Color Question compilation for both tomorrow and Friday. Hope you all have a wonderful holiday weekend, get some rest, have some fun with your family, and I'll see you on Monday. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. 
a registered investment advisor firm, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president, and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.